0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I see that we have both survived our Thanksgiving uh, journeys, travels, and uh, consumption. Um, Welcome, welcome, welcome to the time when we're supposed to start taking the standing seriously. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the rush towards the end of the year and all of the holiday events between then and now.
1: And we should be welcoming back the um, meth bear as it has made yet another appearance. Uh, It will be showing up on the Bruins um, Winter Classic jersey. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) I Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I thought that would be an exciting way to start the show the, the old-fashioned bear with the, with the snout and the, the teeth and the but it looks like it was drawn by a 14-year-old but apparently it's going to be on the new Winter Classic jersey so they showed them off during the last game I believe it was uh, Sophia had one on and she was talking about them. very exciting stuff
0: but should we Are be you- taking the standing seriously? I just, I'm not sure I can take that jersey seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's not quite as bad as that old uh, barber, as those barber pole senators ones we saw from the Heritage Classic oh, those were, years
1: ago. I was trying to figure out whether they were barber poles or, or they were prison
0: just, uniforms or... They were horrible. <laughs> but, like, you know... Yeah. I, this jersey almost makes, this one actually just boosts the current third jersey up a little bit higher because I think that just hanging on a rack or being worn on a model the current retro throwback or whatever they're calling it, retro reverse is only okay I think it looks great on the ice, but for whatever reason, I just think it's blah. Otherwise, still an improvement on this.
1: Yeah, and clearly Jack Edwards is not a fan of the Florida retro reverse jersey.
0: The, uh, the when jerseys that Florida was wearing in their Boston game. That blue thing with the palm tree on
1: it. I mean, it was just funny because Jack. I couldn't
0: even it. tell what some of the stuff on the jersey was supposed to be.
1: I think that's why Jack made the comment that <laughs> they they were definitely not designed by a by a play by play guy. <laughs> I think part of the problem was he couldn't identify numbers.
0: Ding 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 ding.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he wasn't the only one. Like I couldn't. It took me until Jack said. Because I got into my apartment late, um, okay. it took me until Jack said who they were playing to figure out what the jerseys were supposed to be.
1: I had no idea. I looked at them and went, "What does this have to do at all with the Florida Any Panthers?" Team. There's no panther on the jersey. There's there's nothing that really, truly, genuinely indicates Florida. Well, the palm tree, but that could have been. Florida, right. it could have been Southern California, it could have been an island somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, it just no. I got it.
1: So we're not taking retro reverse jersey. Like I said, are we taking standings seriously? Are we even talking about this yet or
0: let's let's just dive in and look at the standings. Um today is November twenty seventh. Yes, we are two. Count them two. Count them two. Full days of action past the uh, past Thanksgiving. Today, uh, looking at the standings, looking at the wild card standings for the Eastern Conference. Yes or no? Are these the eight teams that will be there uh, when the playoffs start? You've got uh, Metropolitan, led by the New Jersey Devils, followed by the Islanders and Carolina. Um, The Atlantic, led by the Boston Bruins, who actually lead the whole league. Um, Them having a game in hand on New Jersey. Um, And Man, do I hate talking about games in hand. Uh, Toronto, (laughs) right behind Boston. And then Detroit, immediately behind... The the uh, the the leaves. Well, wait, 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 Toronto right behind. I don't,
1: I don't it, They are behind Boston. I don't know about this right behind.
0: They are. Well, they're five points behind. But yes, they have played two more games. So it's it's a more tenuous thing.
1: Yeah. OK. But, I was going to say I'm like I'm looking at it and I'm going, I don't know about this right behind stuff.
0: I don't know. <laughs> Detroit. Detroit certainly in the mix. I, and then you have in your wild card spots you have Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh, who both hold a points lead on uh, on the Rangers and the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers only the the Panthers have the same number of points, the same points percentage as the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> Montreal Canadiens are fifth in the wild card race. In case anyone's wondering, yes, that's bad. Yeah. I honestly, in the East, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm struggling
1: to take them seriously. Obviously, you have to take teams.
0: Is it seven of these eight teams that are actually going to be in the playoffs when they start? Is it four of these eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs start? My gut says it's probably six. That's what I was going to go with. I I just can't see Detroit holding on. It would not surprise me if the Islanders hit a hit a pocket of air and fell out. Um, the thing is that they're
1: I mean they're they, they are a plus eighteen in goal differential.
0: Yeah, they are, which does seem to indicate that they're good. And they do have a winning record both on the home and at road, although their road record is a little tougher. Um, I'm the two biggest shocks to me this season. I mean, the three biggest shocks to me this season are all Carolina with a negative, with a zero goal differential. Yeah, that just shouldn't be. I mean, they're they have a they have a five three and one record at home, and they're six three and four on the. On the road. Now, they have been hit by injuries, uh, memory serves. So maybe they'll probably they'll probably have a stronger stretch run. I think the Islanders being in as strong a position as they are is possibly even more shocking than the Devils. Mm. No, I I was not expecting First year as a, or as the head coach for the Islanders.
1: Okay, uh, Barry still is gone. Not, I still was not expecting Jersey to be where they are. No, uh,
0: no, I, I wasn't either. I didn't. Ex- I didn't. I don't think anyone outside of their two cities projected them in the playoffs this year. Equally, I don't think anyone predicted the Rangers and Panthers would be outside the playoffs at this point. I, yeah, I think, we, I think we've got here I think we've
1: got 75-80% of the playoff teams correct. I think that there's still possibility for movement on two, maybe three. I mean there's going to be I a lot Boston of... I think
0: Boston will stay in. I think Toronto will stay in. I think Tampa will stay in. I'm fairly certain Carolina will stay in
1: hmm That's four.
0: I'll go with New Jersey staying in. I'm not sure I buy them running uh hitting the end of the season with the Metro title. <clears throat> but I'm willing to I'm willing to at least hear about it. I just I, ha- I have trouble with Pittsburgh. I really have trouble with Pittsburgh.
1: i have trouble these with t- Pittsburgh.
0: Go ahead. No, I have trouble with Pittsburgh.
1: I have uh, an uneasiness about Detroit. I think that it, it, with Detroit it depends on whether they have some midseason collapse or something. I mean, they've got Villa Husso in that and he is performing as he did last year for St. Louis. He is the better he was the better of the two goaltenders with for the Blues. And he has he is doing the job again for Detroit, a lesser team, a lot of young, a lot of youth on that team. Would not be surprised for them to drop out, but wouldn't be surprised if they hang on to a wild card spot. So uneasiness about Detroit, Pittsburgh definitely. I don't think that they're going to maintain. I just, I think, it, and I hate to say this for Mike Sullivan, but I think time is catching up with them and. They're still plus seven, but their defense just doesn't.
0: They, honestly, I'm more concerned about their offense, because that's been their identity forever.
1: But they're still, they've still scored 77 goals in 22 but games.
0: They're not in like the top three in the in scoring in the East. New Jersey has scored more than them. The Islanders have scored as many goals as them. Uh, Boston has scored more goals than them. That's not something you can say most seasons, and Buffalo has only scored one more, one less goal than they have, and they played a game less. Um, you look at the Western Conference, Dallas has scored more, Vegas has scored more. Um, Vancouver, who we spent the entire summer dumping on, they've only scored two less goals, and they've again played less games. When you don't have your identity as a team, what do you have? Pittsburgh has been an offensive team forever, literally forever, and they really, really don't have that right now.
1: I think they're another – I believe they're another organization that, like the Blackhawks, waited too long for the big implosion.
0: For Detroit, my thing – I look at the standings, and of the teams in the playoff picture, actually, yeah, of the teams in the playoff picture, only only Tampa has played as few games. That means to me that right now they are physically and mentally fresh. When they start getting into denser parts of the schedule where they're playing three games in five nights, two or three weeks in a row, and mental mistakes aren't happening, Bodies start wearing down. That's when I think that the grind is going to get to them, and it's going to cost them. It's going to cost them a skid. I'm not saying thinking, they're going to go 0-9 yeah. and one uh, in, over a 10 game period, but can I see them going three five and three or you know three five and two? Absolutely.
1: Tampa Bay is also a different animal because of their in, play- recent, because of their recent playoff success, they are a somewhat gutted team. So where they are does not surprise me. I mean, when I watched the Bruins game and saw how Vasilevsky just didn't—I don't know if he's tired. I mean, he's played a lot of hockey. They ride him fairly hard down there, and and I mean, he plays a lot of games. I think he might. I'm not saying that they should put him on the shelf for like two weeks or something, but I think they need to give him a night off once in a while.
0: I I can't see that being, I can't see that being a long term problem as long as the backup goaltender is viable. Doesn't have to be someone great. Is it still Doesn't Brian Elliott, or
1: do they they get somebody else? Is <laughs> it? I don't know. Like that's the problem. Nobody knows who the backup is because he never plays.
0: Um, but I think that you have to decide. Um, yeah, Andre Vasilevsky has, since he started the 18-19 start season, only Connor Hellebuck has started more games than him.
1: It is still the right regular now. Season. Okay, it is still Brian Elliott in the backup. Care to guess how many games he's played? Uh, Two. No, more than that, surprisingly. I expected like two or three. He's actually started five. Out of 20.
0: That is surprising. And, of course, nobody even comes close to how many playoff games Vasilevsky has played in the last, since the 18-19 season. Um, he has well. played 70. Five playoff games. Next nearest is Jordan Bennington with 41. So you uh, the, the retired Tukarask uh at 39. <laughs> Semyon Varlamov at 33 or uh, 33 starts, mm-hmm. and then Marc Andre Fleury at 32. So, so, so that's yeah, another
1: another full hockey season.
0: Yeah, he, he's essentially played a full hockey season. So, in terms of total starts since the eighteen nineteen season, he's like thirty games ahead of anyone, uh, ahead of any goalie.
1: Does his it, numbers he, are certainly not vasilevsky like this year. Uh,
0: I I I can't see the standings staying as is. I, I just can't. No, I I. There's gonna be there's
1: gonna be movement. So this whole thing of you know you get to Thanksgiving and you pretty much know who your teams are. This year I think there's still room for movement, change. Like I said, Detroit I have an uneasiness about Islanders. I have an uneasiness about New Jersey. I don't think he's gonna finish at number one in the Metro. Although I, I, yeah, I think Carolina ultimately is going to well, start back moving. On. Yeah. Now. And, yeah, I don't expect Pittsburgh to be there.
0: Let's look at the West, because <laughs> I find the West fascinating.
1: The West, a case study in. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is the with the West. And as of right now, before action starts for the day. Mm-hmm. Central, Dallas, number one, three points up on both Colorado and Winnipeg, who have played two less games. Yeah. Um, and it's in that order. Pacific, Vegas, Seattle, and then Los Angeles. And Seattle having one more point in three less games than Los Angeles. I mean, there's still six points behind uh, Vegas, who's pacing the West uh, with 33 points, um, and your two play, uh, two your two wild card teams are actually tied effectively. Uh, well, they are tied points percentage, games played, uh, points. They're both 11 and 10. Uh, you have the Edmonton Oilers, um, I think based on goal differential, and then the St. Louis Blues. Um. guess what St. Louis is having trouble scoring no have we heard that before maybe once or twice in the last 5-6 years
1: they're, they're having trouble scoring what I don't understand is how you, you've got Tarasenko you've got Ryan O'Reilly you've got Tory Krug the quarterback to power play you've got I'm trying to think of who else they have down there. Oh wait, they just gave all that money to Kairou and Thomas. Um why are they having trouble scoring goals?
0: Well, Kairu and Thomas are leading them in scoring at the po- at the moment in total points. Thomas so, has nineteen points in twenty one games. Kiru so has eighteen in twenty one games. Not perform who's not performing then? Like the rest of the team? Like <clears throat> I mean Tarasenko is at 15 and in 19. Um, He's only got five goals, but uh, you look at Justin Falk. He's he's I mean he's got 15 and 21. That's as good as you can expect. Ryan O'Reilly is not having a great year with only 10 points in 21 games. Uh, Tori Krug is at 10 points in 20 games, so fine there. Um, he's got a minus 15, which I want to look into. Um, it looks like only four of his points have come on the power play, so not much of an excuse there. But I don't think this team has any real depth. Like, you look at the rest of the roster and the rest of the guys who have taken a shift for them, and Matt, yeah, the others cool it's defendants. a lot of math. There's a whole lot of math. I mean,. <laughs> Tori Krug is <clears throat> probably the bottom of where you can really, really call people productive this year. Okay. Defenseman at half a point per game or better is doing really solid. Um, Ivan Barbashev is right there, same number of points, but as a plus five. Um, and then you get to Nolachari, who you don't really expect much from. He's at nine points in 21 games. He's he's doing probably more than you could would genu- generally expect. <clears throat> Brandon Sad's only got five points in 14 games. And then your next few guys on the list are Callie Rosen, uh, Nick Letty, Josh Levio, Colton Pareko has done almost exactly nothing. Uh, three points, uh, all assists in 18 games. Wow. <clears throat> Some of this, I really... <clears throat> Nick Portuzzo has played 12 games this year doesn't have a goal. Um. What what
1: bothers me about things like this is that you look at the production that this team... You, you look at the whole bunches of meh that's out there. And I understand that the players make... earn a lot of money. and But somehow the one that takes the fall for this is the head coach when it's the players that are underperforming.
0: Sometimes it's the players. Sometimes it's the system. Sometimes it's, it's usually a little bit of both. Um, I,
1: they I, love to say, oh, they, they, I they, think the
0: biggest issue is still the goaltending. I genuinely don't think this team yes, is confident that they can win with their current goaltending.
1: Well, they did like as I said previously, they did trade away the better goaltender from last year.
0: Yes, but who is going to take Jordan Binnington? He's got 6-year million a year for he's got four, bling, four years. though.
1: He's got bling, he's got cachet, he's got a Stanley Cup.
0: He have Good four and a half month run. Yes. Good. Not great, not legendary, not elite. Good. They need, this roster needs a shakeup and they need to find a way to include a goaltending shakeup in there.
1: Well, yeah, because Thomas Grice, no.
0: Thomas Grice is movable,
1: it doesn't move the needle. Moving the backup goaltender doesn't move the needle. At least not enough that it's going to.
0: More than one player needs to be moved. Um, And if you can get a goaltender as part of that rearrangement. That's that's ideal. Um, Because otherwise this team is going nowhere this year. It's going nowhere next year. Um, And then you're looking at a situation where it's just about blow-up time. Because looking at the roster, Ryan O'Reilly, he's 31, UFA this offseason. Tarasenko, 30, UFA this offseason. Brayden Chen, 31, six and a half for four more years. Buchnevich, eh. Brandon Saad is at four and a half. That's not really very movable at this point. Jordan Cairo's contract doesn't kick until next year. So for $2.8 million a year, he's one of the best values in hockey right now. Ditto Thomas. Um, yeah, that
1: yeah. changes next year.
0: That changes next year. Yeah, for both of them. But if they're still leading your team in scoring at about a point per game, there's still nothing to complain about. True. Particularly when their theoretical leaders aren't leading. Uh, I don't know that that this roster is fixable this year. I really don't. It may be... their top four defensemen all have no trade clauses. <laughs> uh, Tarasenko, Shen, and Buchnevich, uh as well as Saad, all no trade, all no trades. Okay. Jordan Bennington, in addition to the quality of his play and his salary, has a no trade clause. This is a Jordan Bennington is a no trade clause, but okay. Uh, Logan Brown's injured, but whatever he's. Is not moving the needle. Uh, I. It would seem to have that. It
1: would seem that a lot of players are having that effect this season for St. Louis. They're not moving the needle. Mm-hmm. It, honestly, I, this is an organization that, you know, they won a Stanley Cup in 2019. Whether you agree with them, whether you whether you want to blame the. Goaltending on the losing team, which some of us do, or whether you uh, want—I
0: blame the coach on the losing team.
1: Well, that too, yes. Who happens to still be coaching in the NHL? But that's another story. Um, but point is that you just won a Stanley Cup three years ago, and now you're hanging on to the last wild card spot in the West. Uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of movement. I don't I don't know that they can do a whole lot of moving when it gets to trade deadline time if they're still in a position to be buyers. I, I just don't see it and I I don't see it. I have one question for you and we can even make this a Twitter poll question.
0: Oh, what's the question?
1: Uh, if I gave you three organizations, which one would be the biggest surprise to you, as the standings currently are on this very day?
0: Ooh, obviously that's one,
1: obviously one. And if I gave you three organizations, one would be New Jersey, one would be Seattle. Okay third one would be Florida Panthers or we could swap in Detroit I'm trying to think of three teams that are really which one would be the biggest surprise to you and we can negotiate the third team but two of them have to be New Jersey and Seattle because Seattle in the Seattle in second I, I understand the I understand the West is squishy, Pacific is squishy. I understand all the squishiness, but again, when you've gotten to Thanksgiving and Seattle is still where they are,
0: in the, um, back, six, I can answer. Ago. I can answer based on what you have said, mm. and I'm somewhat shocked at the answer, but also not really. <laughs> because all I mean all of them are surprising but when you come right down to it uh, I think the answer is Seattle
1: they're 8-1-1 in their last 10 they're 6-1-1 on the road they play better away from home apparently Granted, they've also played only eight out they've only played eight out of their 20 games on the road so
0: that's still almost fifty percent
1: I'm just I forty percent of your games on the road and you're six one and one they're a plus 14 they've only granted okay they only played 20 games you're comparing against some other team that's why I'm saying that the the points percentage 67. They got a better points percentage than Colorado.
0: So Seattle, Kraken, and New Jersey Devils, and who was the third team?
1: I, it was a toss-up. I couldn't. I am we'll the ch- Florida Panthers. I figure Panthers because I expect them to be in the playoffs. So for where they are right now, and it's like two spots out of a wild card. Their points percentage is only five forty-eight.
0: Uh, is as shocking as I find the Panthers. They had a big personality change, and I think that's even bigger than the personnel what? change.
1: Bringing in Maurice
0: and to- bringing in Kachuk. There has not been anyone this truculent on the team <laughs> in, in at least a decade. Truculent. Okay, yes. I like that. But the thing, what was the first thing that we talked, one of the first things we talked about when we looked at the, at the uh, roster for these two teams, uh, for the floor, Seattle and after they were drafted and then at the beginning of the season? Why not about their defense? The Kraken. The Kraken. Well, they've got
1: Jimmy Alexiak. Um, I'm trying to do this from memory before I look it up. they got Alexiak. And he's the only memorable one on the defense.
0: And you say memorable in an almost useful manner, and I say Jamie Alexiak.
1: Well,. They do have Vince Dunn. I forgot about Vince Dunn. How did I forget Vince Dunn? That's terrible. It's awful of me to forget that. Oh, how did I forget they have the guy who was traded for number one overall pick, Adam Larson? I mean, they traded away Lozon, that's what. You know, their defense is
0: literally like a bunch of who? Yeah, but here's here's the thing that just shocked the pants off of me. Is through here's goals a goals allowed through through uh, today. The Boston Bruins and Colorado Avalanche are tied for the least, with forty seven goals through twenty one for Boston and nineteen for Colorado. Okay. New Jersey Devils have somehow only allowed 48, even though they allow a lot of shots on that. Yes. Um, And that's, and their third least goals allowed. The Winnipeg Jets have only allowed 51 goals through their 19 games. The Seattle Kraken have only allowed 56 goals through their 20 games. And they are sixth sixth lowest in the league.
1: Well, Philip Grubauer has fallen off a cliff since his days in goaltending for Colorado. Wait, that was only like two seasons ago. Uh,
0: the on the flip side, and on the flip side, they're 11th in goals four.
1: Well, they've got Ryan Donato.
0: Hey, and Ryan Donato is the linchpin of that organization. I'm sure. <laughs> Well,
1: the number one points guy is Burakovsky right now. Everly is second. Beniers, the rookie is third. I mean they don't have one goal scorer that jumps out you. They got three guys who have set who are tied for the lead in goal scored with seven. McCann, Schwartz and Burakovsky. But you've got a bunch of guys in double big, in in double digits points. And to be honest, there's only two players on this team, and one's played in three games, one's played in one game. You got two players on this on this team that have zero points. Two. Everybody else is contributing. I'm not saying that they're contributing a lot. Carson Kuhlman only has a one goal and one assist. He's played in ten games. Yeah. You know, but they you know, only two players and combined they played in four games that have no points everybody else is contributing points wise the biggest surprise to me on this organization is martin jones not not killing it save percentage wise he's only got a 906 but as a team stat goals again his goals against is a 2.49 it's not, half a it's it, half a goal better than
0: it's half a goal better than Vasilevsky. Yeah, I mean, but when you say not killing it with a nine oh six, let's let's uh, jump in that wayback machine and look at some of his previous performances. He's already to almost half the minutes that he played last year, where he played, where he rolled through a nine hundred save percentage uh, for Philly. Not great, but a definite improvement over the 8.96 he turned in the three previous seasons. <laughs> 8.96, three previous seasons uh-huh. uh, for the San Jose Sharks. Um, this is a guy who's finally finding his confidence again.
1: If I he think can that's get part it, of it, yeah.
0: And he's got a shutout, something he didn't have at all last year in 35 games. If he can grab another shutout sometime in the next 5 to 10 days and he starts playing more like the I don't know, the 17-18 Martin Jones or the 15-16 Martin Jones, this could be a really tough out in the playoffs. I mean, well the I mean what this
1: tells me is that not only is Martin Jones having an upswing, but the players are playing in front of him. Goals against, as you love to say, is a team stat, and I, I've been slowly coming around. Slowly, I'm not there yet, but, but if you look at it, I mean, two point. Clearly,
0: the team is playing in front of him, and it's it's also speaks to, uh, I would assume, better communication uh, for between him and the team than he might have enjoyed uh, in past stops. Yes. I get the impression from one or two players that he has played with in the past who might or might not still be on the San Jose Sharks, that they're not really big on communicating with anyone (laughs) Uh, or following plans very closely.
1: Yeah, but the Sharks got rid of that problem. He's playing in Carolina now.
0: I don't think he's the only one, though.
1: No, I, I just think he's the biggest one. No.
0: <laughs> You're probably not going to get me to argue that point. <laughs> um, but I think there's a lot of guys who are finally playing towards their potential. Maybe not up to where they were drafted uh, in all cases, but like... Let's take a look at Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, he was a third-round pick in 2013. He's got 10 points, so half a point per game. Um, last year was a career year for him, with 57 points in 80 games. But before that, he'd never really, he'd never really gotten there. Um, the last year that we had a bullish season. He had thirty six points in seventy seven games. Um, so he's, I think that I think that with the reset of mentality going to a team uh, that's an expansion team, he's sort of just. I think he. I think people expect him to be what he is, and not some superstar. Like he's a very strong third line winger. Yes. Um, and I, I think that despite you know being drafted at 89th, so second to last in the third round at that time, that there was always this expectation that he was going to be a bit more than he is. That he was going to be able to take that top Six roll and be a power forward or something. Although I don't know how you get that from his size. He's six feet even and 177 pounds. He's basically David Krejci from Denmark. Uh,
1: tough comparison, but size-wise, physical-wise, yeah.
0: yes. I mean, physically, that's they're they're basically identical. Um, that
1: I'll go with, yes.
0: If he can get back to that 28, 27, 57, and 80 games this year, preferably with a better plus-minus than he had in Columbus last year, the fans in Seattle are going to love him. They are going to love him a lot.
1: Okay. I mean, I, I look at this and I'm just...
0: Now... I still have trouble looking at the Western Conference stats and saying, ooh, gosh, whoever wins the Eastern Conference is going to be really worried about that team. Because I, with the changes that happened to Colorado, yes, with the changes without without Evander Kane healthy at the moment in Edmonton, who's barely clinging to playoff relevancy... <laughs> with the lanes outside the playoff structure
1: explain that one to me too Yeah,
0: I think that that I think that that's again the big personality changes uh, because you didn't just lose Kachuk you, you lost Goudreau
1: you lost Kachuk and Goudreau and because of those two you now are a terrible organ terrible team
0: they are exactly average.
1: I was going to say, I don't know if I'd buy it losing just two players, I, I guess. But.
0: but it's not just two players. It's two big personalities.
1: Yeah. Johnny
0: Goudreau, no. had, Johnny Goudreau has swagger. Yes. He walks into a room, and he knows that he can compete with anybody from any team, regardless of where they were drafted, where they went to school what junior team how many medals he knows he can compete with anyone any given night he just needs the puck on his stick for one moment to make an impact Matt Kachuk doesn't even need the puck he just (laughs) needs a body he can line up but the puck is good too and if it happens to be Drew Doughty even better (laughs) anyone in a king's uniform pretty
1: much yeah and I'm talking. I mean, I talk bad about them. They literally are one position out of a, a wild card spot. So it's not like. It's not like we're talking about Florida, you know.
0: They're one point out of the wild card. They're only four points out of second place, in the Central Division. They only need a really good week. You know, they go seven and three the next month. We're talking about them moving Colorado or Winnipeg out of the out of the uh, top three in the Central. Yes. And if you want to, if you want to go really way too far down the rabbit hole,
1: ooh, like rabbit hole.
0: Vegas versus St. Louis would open your playoffs uh, as number <laughs> one and the second wild card. Uh-huh. That, that should be a Vegas romp. Uh, St. Louis versus, uh, I'm sorry, Edmonton versus Dallas. That's an anything goes. Uh, if yeah, that, that's, back, six,
1: that's six to five and push him, to be honest. I mean, Dallas being first in the central at this particular moment in time. Really Jay, Got- oh, Jay oh, Gunzer would be totally. facing a lot of rubber.
0: They've scored 84 goals so far. Yes. Which <clears throat> just doesn't... Where was this team last year? I mean, Tyler Sagan still only has four goals this year. Yes, he's put up 14 assists, which is great. Well, you know um, that But it's all coming from course. three players. I mean, finally they're getting their money out of Jason... Out of Jamie Benn. But... Jason Robertson, who they didn't have signed until, what, after camp started?
1: Yeah. Yeah. As as I mentioned, you know, many times, you know, when are they going to sign Jason Robertson? They finally signed him, what, like three days before the beginning of the season or a week?
0: 18 goals in 22 games. Good thing you got him signed, huh? (laughs) 18 goals in 22 games, 35 points overall. 8. Eight shooting. Now that's this is the part that worries me in terms of this team's sustainability. You didn't need training kit. <laughs> <coughs> no, no, no. Here's the shooting percentage of their top four uh, points producers right now. 18.8, 18.5, 19.6, 18.2. That's Robertson, Pavelski, Ben, and Hintz. Rope Hintz 19.6 shooting percentage. So, every five shots, he's putting one in the net for Jamie Benn. After last year when he was... We're going to be really generous over the last couple of years when he was less than stellar. He had a 9.9 save percentage last year and an 8.9 save percentage the year before. His highest save percentage for any season uh, to date is 14.94, and that was back in uh, 1718.
1: Okay. If Jamie Benn is scoring at a 20% clip, he needs to shoot more. He's only taken 51 shots on net.
0: 51 shots on net he's not a huge shooter though no like
1: but like Jason Robertson is, has 18 like you said 18.8 19, 19 effectively 19% so he's taken 96 shots that's why he has 18 goals he he seems to get it if i can score one out of every 5 or one out of every 6 or somewhere in the between the more i shoot the more i'm going to score <laughs>
0: I think, well, not. Jason Robertson is still near the peak or at the peak, perhaps, of his speed. I can't say the same for Jamie Benn. No, I like- think that he is physically as fast and is probably not getting into the shooting lanes uh, <laughs> or staying in the shooting lanes as often or as well. And, yeah, Jake Ottinger uh, having a solid season. Uh, 9-17, nothing spectacular. But, man, is there a difference between him and Wedgwood in in net. Yes. We're talking, wow, we're talking three-quarters of uh, eight-tenths of a goal. 2.52 goals against average for when Ottinger is in net and 3.33 when Wedgwood is in net. That's that's a lot. Um, yes. And I know this team is scoring well. if'm I'm, if I'm their general manager, my shopping list between now and the deadline starts and ends with depth scoring because I don't trust that I don't trust those shooting percentages to keep up.
1: No, and I agree with that. I mean, you got Joe is just between him and Bergeron. I don't know what I don't know. They went down. They went down to Florida, and not only did they drink from the fountain of youth, I think they took baths in it.
0: I I think Mister Krejci was with them,
1: and then there's Krejci, who which he's got like five, six goals in his last. Five games, five, six goals in his last four, or five games or something.
0: <laughs> then, absolutely unreal, and compl- like if there's a funny player on the Boston Bruins right now, it's it's David Krejci. He's well, the, scoring a lot. The puck is finding him. It. Uh, it's just fun to watch. I think that I I really think that for David Krejci going to Europe for the year was good for him I think it was not only a lower level of physicality but I think that it reminded him how good his shot actually is
1: I also think that just from a standpoint a non-hockey standpoint he went there took his family kids have never seen his home country they've never seen him you know they got to see him play in 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 the Czech league, but the hustle and bustle, the 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 high intensity of Boston's you know original sixteen hockey hotbed, yes, I'm sure hockey is big where he's from, but I don't think it's the intense focus that it is here. I mean, he, he had able to relax and kind of recenter himself and
0: he had 20 goals in 51 games, 46 points last year. Led his team in scoring um, for the for the uh, Czech League.
1: And he's where right now? I mean, he's outside of the fact that he missed a couple of games due to a, a due to an injury and yeah I'll be honest when when he got hurt I was like it's catching up to him you know but he came back and now he's on some tear of a scoring streak right now it's the Bruins themselves are fun to watch but yes it's fun to watch David Krejci gets himself on the puck the puck seems to be finding him
0: I mean he's got 17 points He's got six goals in his last five games, two assists. Uh, one of them a power only one of them has many power play goal. Honest answer. At the beginning
1: of the season, did you expect David Krejci to be a point per game player? No. I mean, technically he's not. He's got 17
0: points in 18 games, but it's pretty close damn time. close. <laughs> Uh I I did not expect this and I'm I'm loving it. I I mean I've always liked David Krejci but he's never been my absolute favorite player. But anyone who doesn't appreciate David Krejci doesn't appreciate hockey. Uh
1: No, you have no, you have to You have to appreciate a guy who has never had a set group of wingers for longer than maybe a couple of weeks at a
0: time. (laughs) I would say longer than two seasons, but yeah, he's, and you know what we were just saying about those guys in uh, Dallas needing to shoot more? Yes. Do you know what his, what David Creechie's shooting percentage is right now?
1: I don't know what twenty-two percent.
0: No, that would only be really weird. And the, his shooting percentage is thirty-point-eight right now.
1: All right, the boy needs to shoot Boy needs to shoot more. Boy to shoot more.
0: <laughs> I mean, is this the year that David Krejci has his thirty-goal season?
1: 8 and 18, extrapolated out. 18 times, say, 4. would put him at 36, 72. And it, 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 he's going to come close because you figure 24, 26 goals. He's going to come close. His, highest, himself, his,
0: pre- his previous career high is 23 NHL goals. He's on pace to beat that right now. He's uh, like. Not,
1: not necessarily yes. on pace with 30 but I think he's like a, I think he's on pace for like say 28 if I quick math in my head
0: Oh my we've got some good uh we've got some good votes in for the for the poll already Really Yes I think I'm going to ask another I think I'm going to ask that question but I'm going to put that poll question up. Uh, I'll, we'll call it Wednesday afternoon. Um, I'm going to set a reminder to myself to tweet out, uh, is this David Krejci's 30-goal season? Um, because he's just ridiculous right now. Like, the whole, as a whole, this team is utterly bonkers. The pace they've kept up. You've had two different games where... The goalie was injured or pulled sometime during the game, and they managed to come back and win the game.
1: Um, they had one game where not only was a goalie not only did a goalie
0: go out, but the goalie came back in. Yes, <laughs> it, it's just been a it, it's been a ridiculous season. I mean, Bergeron hits the one thousand point club. Yeah. Um all at the Boston Bruins, David Krejci is about to join the 1000 game club all yeah, of Boston Bruins. somewhere in January. Mid-January. Sometime in January. Um and, you know, Brad Marchand will probably hit that some hit that number sometime next season. Uh or is it is he still further away? He's kind of been suspended a lot. <laughs>
1: I know Dabrowski is still sitting on ninety nine and needs to score that hundredth goal, but
0: Yeah, I mean it should be sometime next year for For Brad. For Brad. He's at eight hundred and eighty seven games now, so in three games we'll get to celebrate his nine hundredth. Um actually, yeah. 13, so eight
1: eighty seven, so in thirteen games.
0: Thirteen, sorry,
1: yes so again end of the year I don't know yeah about last week of December first week of junior nice way to celebrate the new year I mean was I was I was I physically crying during the last during the Carolina game it's a possibility I might have shed a tear or two because I saw my boy go down my question is are the Bruins goaltenders having the same issue as Ottinger and Wedgwood in Dallas? I mean, r-
0: describe because, the issue?
1: Well, we were talking about Ottinger having a 917 and a 2.4 something or 2. Point whatever was low. But what's then, the issue? Well, Omar has a goals against of 2. And he's, like, top of the league. And Swayman is almost a full goals against higher. with the same players in front of him at 2.92. Omar's save percentage is a 9.35. Swayman hasn't broken 90 yet.
0: Yes, but what's the actual issue? The stats, I know. Whatever
1: the, Whatever the issue is, communication or or that they, they play differently in front of Swayman. They play differently in front of Wedgwood instead of Ottinger. They seem to be in a similar situation statistically.
0: I I think is, that it's more – I don't think it, Swayman has ever gotten into rhythm this year. I, mean, he, um, yes, I think the, that Mark started warm and got hot. I don't think that Swayman has hit – that pitch that he hit mid-year or 20 games into the year last year, where he just walked out onto the ice and was highly reliable. Um, he's a younger goalie. It's a different season. Um, he's done it once. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't get to the same place mentally in the off-season. Maybe he doesn't gel with the head coach as well. Um,
1: I'm, um, I was going to say, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you my thought process on it here in a moment, and it's very simple. I think Montgomery is an old school, older, old school or older school coach who believes in a two goalie system, not a one and a one a system. And he plays Omar again, It again, it, it's literally a 75, 25 split. Because you got Omark with 15 starts, Swayman with five. I just, I, I don't think that Swayman gets as much time in behind the defense, behind where I, I, and I think that shows in a game. There's that you can tell the continuity between Omark and the guys in front of him. Is smoother than it is when Swayman's in there it. because it's a limited, it, it, it's not a one in one a system where he's going back and forth. You start, he starts you, like they did with Cassidy last year. Montgomery seems to believe that we have a number one goaltender and the number one is going to play seventy percent of the time or sixty percent of the time or whatever.
0: You may be right, in which case. I hope he proves right. Like, as far as a from a pure fan of the team perspective, I hope he proves to be right. Um, as from a, a fandom well, Swayman,
1: from yeah, I was going to say, from a Swayman fan, I want to see
0: from a longevity <laughs> as a long as a person looking at the team long term, Swayman is a couple of years younger. Yes, you have to think and. Quite frankly, none of the younger prospects in the system have given me reason to believe that they're going to be better than Swayman. Uh, Swayman has shown himself capable of being.
1: I would agree with that. I understand Kaiser's putting up some decent numbers in the AHL, but... Um,
0: Because, you know... They went out and acquired Michael Pietro. You've got Brandon Boosey, Kyle he, Kaiser, and you've got Keith Kincaid.
1: But where do Keith they Kincaid say is not
0: a long-term solution.
1: No, I think he was brought in as a, exactly what he was. They brought him up when Swayman went down. He got into his one he got his one start because the absence was long enough that it required it but he's, just, he's literally here to be the emergency backup in case.
0: I mean, yes, uh, Kyle Kaiser has. Uh, Brandon Boosey actually has reasonable numbers, but he's not playing a huge number of games. He's got a 930 through seven games in Providence and a uh, 922 through four games uh, for the Mariners. Uh, Kyle Kaiser, who is all of uh, the of an aged and decrepit twenty three years old,
1: is putting um, up seriously ridiculous numbers.
0: Uh, nine thirty one with a one eighty seven in all of six games for Providence. So six games is, I, I mean, a nine thirty one so, you never you never dismiss it. But so he's one so he's one game behind Busey and Kincaid. Yes.
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah, I could see where there's a huge difference. He hasn't played as much. I mean, he is 100-minute. I mean, if you look at minutes count, he is about 100 minutes behind. So, a game and two-thirds, two full games behind Kincaid. I, I, I understand it, but 187 goals against is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, 31 save percentage. Again, nothing to sneeze at, but Busey has a 930, as you said. What did they do with DiPietro? Did they send him all the way down to?
0: He's. I think he's in Mania. Oh, okay. Um, let's jump into some of the other topics because we do have some amusing stuff to talk to. Okay. Ah, uh, uh, let's take a real quick look at a milestone that. I think is a little... Meh. David Poyle just hit 1,500 wins as a general manager.
1: David Poyle, he's been GM for a long time, Washington and Nashville.
0: Yep. Uh, So the 21st, uh, back on November 21st, so four or five days ago, he hit that number. Wow. Congrats. Right behind him is Lou amarello at thirteen hundred and seventy-five. Uh, behind him is Glenn Saylor at thirteen nineteen.
1: Yeah, Glenn Saylor's still holding on to those those um, uh, telling photographs that managed to get him the Scott Gomez for an actual NHL player.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> then he who sh- he who must not be named, Harry Sinden, at eleven seventy. Um, I I Ken Holland ten fifty six. And then you've got Cliff uh, Cliff Fletcher, Jim Rutherford, uh Jack Adams, all all in the nine hundred range. Um I I don't see So here's the question is this a hollow achievement given that uh given that Poyle has never won a cup? And has what one Stanley Cup appearance to his name? Maybe two for his teams.
1: He has a Stanley Cup appearance. Uh,
0: I mean the National Predators went to didn't they go to the, con, yeah they went to the conference finals a couple of years ago or, yeah uh, but
1: they know uh, they no, they've they've never been to a, they've never been to a final and he wasn't no
0: they they were beaten by Pittsburgh in that game where Sidney Crosby drubbed uh. Uh, drummed uh oh yeah bands head off the ice
1: yes 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 okay that's right i it, it hollow i I'm unfulfilled i mean hollow. i don't know if i no 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 not uh, not unfilled that would be hollow unfulfilled i, I don't know i i I think it's still something to celebrate that you know you 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 manage to and to do it with only two franchises. I mean Sinden has his eleven seventy with just the one franchise. I think it's something to celebrate. I don't know that it's going to be a deciding factor in getting into the Hall of Fame or not. So is it I guess hollow is the right word. I'm just I was trying to see if I could come up with something else, but no, it's like it's a nice statistic. It's just not something that I'm going to be. It's not something I would hang my hat on as an argument to get into.
0: I mean, mean, is this something that if he retires tomorrow, he's going to have his license plate changed to, you know, 1502 or something like that?
1: That would be an odd number, but okay. <laughs> I had 1,502 wins. I wish I, I'm sure he would trade like a hundred of those wins for a Stanley Cup.
0: That's a, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it 1,500 wins
1: it, it basically tells me that he's very good at wheeling and dealing
0: he's very good at getting about, at putting together on uh, above average teams. Yes. As far as putting together winning teams, he came close.
1: How much responsibility did he have for the team that was on the ice when Washington beat Vegas? How long, Uh how long was he gone? You know, was he was the bulk several of, years at that point. I was going to say, was the bulk of that franchise his responsibility or had there been enough time where there was a lot of turnover and most of the players were under the, whoever the new GM was?
0: Uh, I think – I mean, I think there's probably a third of the players were probably some of his, but there's so many ways to screw up a roster – uh, I mean, sure, that included Ovechkin and Carlson and Backstrom. Say, is, he,
1: is he responsible for Ovechkin, Carlson, Ovechkin? Yes, he is. I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure.
0: I, I want to say it's Ovechkin, Carlson, and Backstrom were all all his picks.
1: And they're the ones that are still there. Okay.
0: So, but that's.
1: <laughs> I get where you're coming from, and yeah, I think I agree. I think it is kind of. I couldn't find a better word, so I'll go with hollow.
0: Um, also in the news. Uh, much as I find the term overused by certain, uh, demographics. A buck has achieved cringy.
1: He has achieved cringy. Okay. This one's going to...
0: Hellebuck blames the referees for putting him in danger in a hockey game. Headline from the Winnipeg Sun, they put me in danger, and that Hellebuck wants a rule change after a controversial goal, or what they're terming a controversial goal. His helmet came off. Yeah. Um, And... He's. Uh, they did not stop action. Team scored against him. Um, his, the quote. The quote in the middle of the article. They put me in danger. Yep. A lot of bad things could have come from that. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Connor. Hockey's a collision sport.
1: Well, I I actually have a comment for this
0: teams, people get hurt in collision sports you you took the chance when you got in there, you're 30 something years old, you know the danger when you're sitting on your couch If you're not up for the danger up for routine danger there are other occupations that are safer there are. What I'm trying to what I'm trying to
1: determine is because I didn't actually see what happened, and but based on the article that I'm reading here and based on what I know about this, because I call me a hockey geek, cocky nerd, whatever you want, I happen to have the Stanley Cup playoffs, the final, on my DVR, and I actually watched them the other day. And in, I forget whether it was Game Three or Game Four, Game Two, uh, Game Three, because it was the first game in Tampa Bay, I believe.
0: Oh, I need to apologize to Connor. You, you won't turn thirty for another couple of weeks, uh, for another four months, May nineteenth. Happy say in advance. Happy,
1: happy, happy. But as far as the mask rule, when the mask is knocked off the goaltender, they are supposed to stop play. Now. In, it's a judgment call no it's not a judgment call the, ju- the the rule is that they're supposed to stop play unless it was an obvious scoring opportunity
0: and that makes it a judgment call
1: in the case of in the case of Darcy Kemper the puck was right in front of the net the defend the the Tampa Bay player literally knocked the mask off of Darcy's face, and they should have stopped it for a penalty—not necessarily, but because the puck was still right in front of the net, and Tampa Bay had, player had it on his stick, they didn't stop play. He puts it in the net; it's a goal. It sounds like that's what happened here: is somebody crashed into him, knocked him. Sounds like he was almost. Sounds like he was having a concussion. The way he's describing it, you know, my neck well, isn't.
0: He didn't. It's described in the article they described it as uh, it starts off with just a few seconds earlier the Winnipeg goaltender had been bulldozed by Stars Captain Jamie Benn. Right. The impact severe enough to rip Connor Hellebuck's mask clean off his head left the 29 year old sprawled face down and holding his head between his glove and blocker. The amount of force that went into my head was very scary um the feeling in my neck was very scary fine fine my question is, because I have not seen the play happen and
1: I don't have a video of it, where is the puck at the moment that his mask comes off? Because if it's not actively being played or shot at the net or... Because it sounds like Robertson scores from a fair distance out. He's not right in front of the crease, based on the description. Like no. the point shot. So he's he's cranking it from the blue line. They had time. If the referees had time to blow the play dead, they should have. I understand his argument, but because the the rule, the way it's worded, that unless it's an obvious scoring opportunity,
0: here's my major issue. How many times have we seen goalies shake their helmets off on purpose? Doesn't oh oh I
1: I watched. I watched Vasilevsky do it in a game. He literally, because it felt loose, he literally took it off and threw it on the ice, and the officials stopped play.
0: Now, if if you want to change the rule, there needs to be a change to the equipment first. It needs to become impossible to shake the helmet off. The helmet needs to be it needs to be secured in a way that means you have to deliberately remove it. It's not just, tell, it's not just, I'm not just talking about Hellebuck. I'm not just talking about um Vasilevsky. I've seen Brodeur and half a dozen other guys who I could name off the top of my head, including guys who have won Stanley cups who have done the whole, Oh, my helmet's loose. Let's find the Let's create a timeout for my team routine uh, and pretend that my and pretend that there's a serious issue. No, it needs to be secured in a way that even moderate contact will not remove it accidentally. If that happens, I can live with the rule coming in or with a rule update. But if not, I mean, to me, reading Suck it, it up, you get played millions of dollars. It's a risky sport. You've known that since you were like 10 years old. But when I don't know when I'm reading
1: this and again, I'm going to I don't want to harp on it, but I didn't see it happen. But reading this, it sounds like he was down on the was he injured or was he just laying down for dramatic effect?
0: According to him, his neck and head hurt. Although he was later fine,
1: um, a lot of bad things could have come from that. But were you hurt, or were, if he was hurt, that kind of changes the conversation. I mean, if he, if he was down and injured, if he was down and just stayed down for dramatic effect, like hopefully some, like they do in in, in the sport that you don't want to acknowledge, soccer, football. You know, guy take guy goes down because somebody tripped him. And next thing you know, they're either laying face down for 30 seconds or they're rolling over, grabbing their ankle, even though there's nothing. They're doing it for dramatic effect, trying to get the referee's attention. Was he doing that or was he actually injured?
0: He finished playing the game. He was fine the next afternoon. Um, I I would have to assume that...
1: That was the issue guy who hit me and got the puck. Four seconds. I'm pretty sure we could have got a shot on the other net in four five that tells you how much ice you can cover. So apparently the goal was scored four seconds after the contact was made and he went down. Yeah. I think this is one of those things where, yeah, he probably should just – you made your comment. You're upset about it. Okay, I get it. Let it go. if it was a situation where –
0: Now, here's uh, – in a different article, statement from the NHL, video review confirmed that actions taken – that the actions of Winnipeg's Josh Morrissey caused Dallas's Jamie Benn to contact, Heller, uh, contact Connor Hellebuck prior to Jason Robertson's goal. The okay. decision was made in accordance with Note 2 of Rule 38.11, uh, which states, in part, that the goal should be allowed because the attacking player was pushed, shoved, or fouled by the defending player, causing the attacking player to come in contact with the goaltender. So they're not calling it goalie interference. Correct. Uh, the statement did not address the fact that um, Alibek was down on the ice at the time of the goal. Uh, after the game, uh, Rick Bonas told reporters that General Manager Kevin Chevaldayoff would be reaching out to the league about the play. The league, uh, the
1: league's comments also don't it, don't mention. The fact that his mask came off, they were, it was literally just dealing with the goaltender interference end of it.
0: But the goaltender interference, or at least the action that was oh, was described as goaltender interference, but it is, was. is a result of a defending player's actions.
1: Yes, but the mask coming off the goaltender is still its own situation.
0: It, it, but it's... It's part of a. It's part of his teammates' actions. Okay. It, it, in context. It, in context, the rule was enforced in the way that it's written and the way that it's theoretically meant to be used. Okay. Do I want players to get hurt? Absolutely not. I mean, there's a couple of them who probably deserve a smack in the face here and there. But do I want them to get hurt? No. He's talking about a situation that happens how many times a year?
1: I don't know. I never counted.
0: it. Goalies <laughs> get knocked down. Yes, they get knocked down different because
1: different the times a season. They get knocked down because guys skate into them. They get knocked down because defenders push people into them. They get knocked down because
0: their own teammates
1: fall on top of them. They fall on their own. They they fall over their own feet. They
0: They step on the puck. Yeah.
1: They trip on the crease. Yes.
0: (laughs) I haven't seen a goaltender actually trip over the crease. Um, (laughs) Have you seen players trip over the red line? Oil and,
1: the blue,
0: and uh, the blue light so I'm. anyway yeah I get
1: what you're saying and yes I I think he needs to I think at this point he needs to let it go and just I don't think it's going to go anywhere they they've adjudicated on it and. I think it's going to I think it's gone about as far as it's going to Think this might be a case where they're making a mountain out of a molehill? No. Would they do that?
0: No. Now, uh, you had some comments from Tort, uh, from John Tortorella, you wanted to discuss. I I didn't even throw them on the show
1: Doc. I wanted you to read them, but yes, they were speaking to John Tortorella. I I just anytime John speaks, I just but they were talking to him on TNT. Uh, it was a pregame interview this time, not in game. So do, is it still something that shouldn't be done? Should he be in the locker room with his team? I don't know. But anyway, so they're talking to him and, and there was some very interesting questions. Um, and one of them had to do with his coaching and, and, getting message across and whatnot. And he decides to turn around and tell Paul Bissonette that it's a young, dumb league and, you know, sometimes getting the message across there there are so many more mistakes made now in our game than back in the day. and Listening to it, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it before the show, but listening to it it sounds like he's complaining about the Wussification of today's NHL. They're they're not, they, they can't take direction from a coach. They can't, you know, they don't seem to want to listen to what the coach has to say. They know how to do it, they're going to do it their way. They, you know, and the quote here is coaches, we've evolved. I think you have to because I used to be that dot the I, cross the T and forecast what the game is going on before it's played. Now I think you need to allow them to live through some of those mistakes for them to mature because they're not they're not getting it. They're coming in, they're young, they 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 they, they got it in their heads. But it was just it, it it's the way he presents it and the fact that he does it with this cat to date the canary grin on his face. And when he was asked about by Anson Carter, the best question is, and, he, and Anson Carter actually starts with this, he doesn't end with it. But he asks him, since he's been on both sides of the aisle, you know, since he's been a commentator last season when he wasn't coaching, and now, bat, you know, having been a coach, and you know, does he have a newfound respect for? And before Anson could finish the question, he's like, no, zero, none. Anson Could you finish the question? Did he have a newfound respect for the 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 commentators and the and the the press side of the story? No, nope, none. So, John has not changed a thing. But John will never change a thing. No, and I completely agree.
0: But he's right. I think that I the, think the game is definitely it's, in a lot of ways. The game is less disciplined than it was ten or fifteen years ago. But, I mean, but yes, I think the game is also more exciting than what we were seeing during the trap era. I mean, the one three one is one of the worst things to ever happen to hockey, and I say this as someone whose favorite players have always either been defensemen or defensive-minded forwards. You know, Patrice Bergeron. Um, yeah. Uh, is one of them. Uh, you know, PJ, we talk about... P.J.
1: Axelson. We talk
0: well. P.J. Axelson. Uh, da- Pavel Datsuk, who was a phenomenal two-way player. Yep. Um, Ryan Kessler, great two-way player. Jonathan Taze. Ah, oh, um, yes. Absolutely. Captain um, Series. The list, is, the list is arm length. Uh, my arm length, not some short person. Um. And the game is more exciting right now because guys are thinking of how to win the game not thinking of how to play the system and I think that that's a really big thing Um, does does it make it easier to improve upon the skills that a player already brings to the league no and I think that's part of John's issue is that he doesn't want to change or that... It's harder to get the players to upskill further.
1: Yes. I mean, he, he makes the comment, it's so sensitive nowadays as far as you can lean on a player and the, ex- and the expectations are you have to coach people differently, but I think it's our job to push athletes to areas they're not comfortable and to make them better. Because Rick Tockett started asking about... And, and they asking about analytics and coaching and he, and then he says that his big comment his big thing to other coaches would be don't lose your gut everybody as far as how you think the game should be played i think the stomach and the eyeballs are so important to our game i think we're losing some of that because it, with the analytics and the kids and the and the, the young and dumb, the young and dumb generation and so he feels that the kids aren't really they, they, are not. They, they, they've got to learn through mistakes. And the coach needs to be less analytical. And, and you know, got to stop with the with, with the numbers. And you got to fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah, John's never going to change. I get that, but I kind of see his point. That I think that it, it's getting a little bit more difficult to
0: coach. I mean, you look at a player who came in just over 10 or a little over 10 years ago, Brad Marchand. He had Claude Julien, a very much dot the I cross the T's coach. And in his first season, he played more than 20 games. Didn't score a goal at all. Okay. Comes back the next year, applies the lessons that he was given during the season, during the off season. And is key in the team winning a Stanley Cup. Okay. Did he play And he played better in all three zones of the ice in that second seat, in that top winning year.
1: But he learned, he applied the lessons.
0: Again, he was willing. He was willing to do it. A lot Mm -hmm. of players that are coming in right now or in the last year or two, and we'll just call it a year or two because I don't want to dive in. <laughs> um, not so much do I think there have always been players unwilling to learn? Yes we can look at Ryan Spooner and we can look at Koklachev and we can look at a bunch of other guys who have come through the Boston system who had NHL worthy skills and yep. ECHL worthy brains look <laughs> at
1: and that's what I think I think I believe that's what what he's trying to say.
0: John wants that NHL quality work ethic and yeah. willingness to learn, as much as he wants, possibly more than he wants raw skill, um, which is which is a which is a big ask. I uh, believe I believe it is a
1: big ask, but.
0: And I, and I don't think he's necess- I don't think he's wrong to want it.
1: That was going to be my next question, but is he wrong? And I, I don't mean, think it might
0: be a little crazy to want it, but he's not wrong. Yeah, but he says all these things with a smile on his face, and he's really such a nice oh, guy. I don't understand. I think he's. You're missing. A lot of people are going to miss the other element of this conversation. Mm-hmm. He's saying a lot of this, a lot of this, as he's done in the past to draw attention and criticism away from the players so that they can f- focus on the game. Oh yeah, he doesn't care what people say about him. He's only very this he only much he cares the only two people he cares about as far as their professional opinions of him are the general manager writing his paycheck and the owner behind it. Beyond that, no. Nope. You can talk all day long and he he's just not going to be moved.
1: This is, this is his way of this is his way of protecting slash defending, or deflecting not defending, protecting slash deflecting the fact the that his team is struggling.
0: And aren't we being generous today? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas time. <laughs> um, last week we put up a poll. Who is more likely to be traded this season? The Sharks, Eric Carlson, or the Blackhawks, Patrick Kane? Eric Carlson has been talked about for the Norris Trophy already. Not really. Um, And Patrick Kane is on an expiring contract. Uh, Eric Carlson is right up there in the top ten in scoring in the league still. Uh, he's ahead of Miko Rantanen. He's ahead of Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon and Matthew Kachuk and Mitch Marner. Um, he's uh he's sitting at number six today. Yes. Thirty points, eleven goals in twenty three games. Okay. Just, just plain silly. Yeah. Um, Patrick Kane is much further down the list. Um. Now remember that uh, Carlson does have a couple of years left on his contract, and it's not a small contract. Yeah. The poll. The poll, I think, is probably right though. Um. I. I think it's it comes down to cap space and long-term and long-term impact. Neither of these guys is young anymore. This is true. And, you know, Patrick Kane, he's a UFA at the end of the season. If he's not going to contribute and sign, you don't, you know, you, you, maybe you, maybe you paid for a pick, paid with a pick or a player or prospect, whatever that, that you'd like to have back. Well, for me it's for me
1: part of it's the way you asked the question too. Who do I think is more likely to be traded this season? I think that GMs see Patrick Kane and they see goals pouring in the net. See Eric Carlson, you see defense, but he's not a Defensive defenseman. He's gotten better over the years. Yes, he's improved his ability. He's improved his game in his own end. But I think when it comes time to deadline deals, whether that's what this is or whether it's a deal now, I think looking at it, they more GMs are more likely to bring in a Patrick Kane. He's a rental. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, I I think I agree with the. of the people who voted for Patrick. And I tend to agree with that one. Yeah, I think he's more likely to be traded. I I don't know that either one is actually going to be dealt, but.
0: The other big question you always have to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Carlson is 32 at this point. And he has that. uh, He has what? Four plus years left on his deal after this.
1: Again, not, oh, a, not an insignificant number.
0: He'll be 33 when the cup goes up this year. Uh, Patrick Kane is going to be, or just turned 34. Um, the other thing you have to ask yourself, who's healthier? And Patrick Kane has been phenomenally healthy over the course of his career. He's a small player, but he's he set the mold for Johnny Goudreau in being a small player in the modern NHL and being able to avoid contact or absorb contact.
1: I think, <coughs> I think, he, can. I think he absorbs so, it well. I don't think he tries to... I mean, yes, every, obviously every player tries to avoid it as best they can, but it, 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 it's hockey. That's a bit difficult to do, so I think that he's I think that he's made it sort of an art form as far as evading or somehow deflecting those impacts that could otherwise do him damage. Great damage,
0: yeah. Uh, I... I'm going to have to, yeah, as I said, I think, I think Kane is more tradable, um, yes. particularly for, particularly if someone wants a player who's got that ring already and they need, they want that postseason. This is how you win mentor. Um, and let's face it, Patrick Kane in the playoffs is a monster. Like, like, he is the term is call it say it's a little bit dramatic, but he's absolutely bloodthirsty in the playoffs when it comes to snipping out ways to win games with a shot, and that's that's an asset you're not going to get rolling through your franchise too many times, and if you have to do it, if you're going to do it one shot. One, you know, this is your final hurrah as a as a core, and I and you could say that that you could say that the Tampa Bay Lightning might be in a position where Patrick Kane might be their savior for the postseason. I mean, Nikita Kucherov, Patrick Kane, and Steven Stamkos as three of the forward three of the players on your on your postseason power play really hard, really, really, really hard to say that that would be a bad thing. Just like it's really, really hard to say that Ryan Reeves adding a little uh, truculence to the Minnesota Wild uh, after Billy Guerin pulled off a trade for him uh, this week is going to uh, worsen their chances of playoff success We know that when Guerin took over the franchise, that one of the things he said is we we need to be tougher to play against. We need to be tougher to play against. I don't know that there's a tougher guy who doesn't take uh, – there's a tougher guy in the league right now, and he doesn't take stupid penalties. A lot of the heavyweights that we've seen across our time watching hockey – been neat bags on skates. Okay. Brian Reeves is a hockey player. Is yep. he the most phenomenally skilled hockey player we've ever seen? Of ask, course not. Ask Vegas
1: how important he was.
0: Uh, ask.
1: Uh, here's a better one. Ask, ask Pittsburgh how important he was when they dealt him away or let him go.
0: Well, they traded him because they needed to bring in toughness.
1: Yes. Well, that's when you bring in Alex Galchenyuk. We've discussed this many times
0: (laughs) as one does. And it should be noted that he was traded to, uh, (coughs) traded out of Pittsburgh, went to Vegas and Vegas went on to play 10 plus playoff games that year in which Reeves scored two goals. Mm -hmm. Um, How can you tell a lower bottom six player is, is reliable? How many playoff games have they played? Simple, simple, simple math. In his career, he has played 102 playoff games. He's played playoff games for the St. Louis Blues. He's played them for Vegas Golden Knights. He's played them for the New York Rangers. At least three different coaches trusting this man enough to put him on the ice multiple games when your job is on the line says everything I want to know about the player without ever having to watch him play a game. 102 playoff games as a guy who's when did he play for the Rangers? Uh he played for the Rangers for the last two seasons effectively.
1: The last well, two last seasons. Last year
0: and the year before. Right. I'm sorry. And he played twelve games this season. Mm-hmm. And he played sixty-nine of the games last season.
1: Right. And before that he was in Vegas. Now yep. bear with me here, there's a correlation. Who was the head coach?
0: Uh let's see. Gallant in both. Very good. Yeah. I think Gerard recognizes
1: the type of player and the kind of importance that having a Ryan Reeves on the, on the team can have influence wise, whether it's in the locker room or on the ice or both.
0: And Dean Evanson gets to play with, gets to run his team out onto the ice with him, with Ryan Reeves there now. <laughs> Hmm.
1: And now Bill Guerin has decided that he recognizes the importance of Ryan Reeves. Uh, ask Colasar in Vegas how important Ryan Reeves is. Because I'm pretty sure that Ryan Reeves may have had a little bit of an impact on Colasar.
0: And Colasar is a player I would love to see on most rosters.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: that. <clears throat> and he's he's a better skater than Ryan Reeves is. Agreed. Um, we and are, I thought, I thought
1: that it was, I thought that it was Bill Kessel that was traded for Galchenyuk because they wanted to get tougher.
0: Uh, that was the, that was the trade, but they also had Ryan Reeves that season and got rid of him, which, yes, I that's okay.
1: Terrible. That's right. Yes. We wanted to get tougher. So we moved along from Ryan Reeves and we traded Kessel to bring in Galchenyuk. Um, okay. <laughs>
0: Sure. You do that. Uh, we are way over on time, but hey, why not? Uh, sure, ahead, one dude. one more story. Uh, yeah. really, really quick, uh, since it's Hall of Fame season. Jason Pominville, or I'm sorry, yeah, Jason Palmanville. There's a name I haven't heard in a while. Is a Certified Bruins Killer and Val James. Have both been inducted into the Rochester Amer- Americans Hall of Fame, uh, or will be on Friday, July uh, Friday, January 27th. Not enough caffeine. I apologize. Uh, Val James was the first black player to play uh, in the Americs, in the Amerks, and uh, well, the first American-born black player in Amerks and NHL history. 253 games for the Emergs, Um Fan favorite. Uh, you don't really think, or I don't really think of Jason Palmenville as a AHL player, but he did spend a decent amount of time there. Really? I
1: thought, um, I thought he came straight up to the big club when he was drafted, but okay.
0: And I, I don't know if this is a prelude to him being him having his jersey raised in uh in Buffalo but he played parts of four seasons in uh for the Americans uh 2003 to 2004 he played there um it looks like he got in one Buffalo Sabres game in oh three, oh four, the oh four, oh five season he spent uh the entire season in the Ameri- uh, in the AHL Wow, and Leo 506, he played 18 games.
1: 235 career games, 192 points, and 21 he still played
0: points. played 1,000 NHL games.
1: And plus 235 in the minors, where he was a point per game player in their playoffs. 21 points in 19 playoff appearances, 192 points in 235 games. I can see why they're inducting him.
0: Yeah. um, Congratulations to both, and uh, I will. uh, I think this is a good spot to a good spot to hang out.
1: Congratulations to Pominville. Congratulations to Val James.
0: Uh, you have an awesome day. Uh, thanks for listening. Share the show. Uh, take a break from the holiday madness. Put your feet up and enjoy some hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. Uh, we'll have the poll link in the show description as always uh, share with the friends, family, random people you meet on the street, uh, pass it along in discord in hive and Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, snapchat uh tiktok and every place else use socially media take care